Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Hi, I'm Audra Rinlisbacher, I'm the founder of the Mission Driven Mom, and I'm here to talk to you today about how I teach my children responsibility. I think this started when I first read Covey because he, I think he's the first one that turned me on to the idea of responsibility as being two separate words, response and ability. And when I thought about it that way, I don't know, it just changed something about the way I thought about responsibility. And I thought a lot about those words, response and ability. And this is when my family was younger and my children were younger. And so I, I actually, I brought definitions for you so that you could kind of think about it the way that I thought about it then. So response is really just a reaction whatever your reaction is to any kind of stimulus in your life. And an ability, this is what the, def- the dictionary definition is, possession of the means, talent, or skill to do something. So technically, responsibility is the combination of these two words, response and ability. There's, there's things that happen to us all day long that we respond to in some way, even from the time that we're born, we respond. But when we have the ability to respond appropriately, we have possession of the means, talent, or skills to respond appropriately, right? To respond the way that would be the best way that matches the circumstances. Like, for example, I'm sure you've been around someone who (laughs) just in a you know, in a normal conversation, and then they start bearing their soul about all kinds of inappropriate things, and you barely know them. So their response to your conversation to something that you said is inappropriate. It's not appropriate to the circumstances that you're in. Or if, you know, you say something minor to someone, and then they blow up, they're not responding to that situation appropriately because you weren't angry at them and and there wasn't a catalyst that would cause them to respond that way. Now, I'm not gonna get into, you know, all of the reasons why that happens and the appropriate ways to respond and all that kind of stuff. I'm just gonna kind of lay the foundation for the way this has worked at my house for a long, long time. So what I do is I take this concept, this word responsibility, as the idea that as we get older, our goal in life, what we're trying to do as adults and what we're trying to teach our children to do is to respond appropriately, to have the ability to respond to whatever comes their way in a way that will be appropriate and honest and real and true. And if I'm going to teach them to respond appropriately in life, then I want to help them understand that everything that we do, every time we're stimulated by something and we respond, there's a consequence to that. Okay, so this is kind of the background of what we're trying to teach our children. 
There's a word, responsibility. It's two different words, response and ability. And we want to learn how, by the time they're adults, we want them to know how to a spot, to have the ability to respond to a myriad of situations in their lives in appropriate and productive ways. So what I do to teach them responsibility is I have these ideas in the back of my mind. Now, the other concept that we talk a lot about when I teach them responsibility is privilege. Now, the definition of a privilege is a special right, an advantage, or an opportunity. So the groundwork of responsibility is that when we respond to a circumstance, there's always a consequence, right? There's always an outcome. And what I'm trying to do, and I'll, I'll explain to you how I do this with my children, but what I'm trying to do is give them a picture in their minds, a consistent, clear picture that responsibilities are connected to privileges. That even in the real world, when we are responsible, when we respond appropriately to the circumstances in our lives, privileges are given to us. There, we have more opportunities, we have advantages, and ways are open to us um, in a myriad of ways. And I'll give you a whole bunch of examples when I'm done kind of explaining how I do this. So that's what we're trying to communicate to the kids. And there's a really simple way that I do this. And I do it through a family meeting. And once I've given the definitions and the clarity of the concepts, and once we've gone through this exercise together that I'm going to show you, then I have this conceptually to defer to all the time. So we all have a shared understanding of responsibility as a very, very simple concept. And that is to just respond appropriately. And then opportunities and advantages and right, special rights will follow. And when we do this in a micro level in our homes, when the kids see the responsibility is really a very simple concept, it's about them controlling themselves when they're stimulated in some way, and that when they do that the right way, they have opportunities, then they get behind it, right? Then it's not a dirty word, <laughs> like it's not an ugly word, it's a good word. It's, and, and I'll show you how by the time I get to the end of this exercise with the kids, it's great because then they're asking for responsibilities. They're asking really for those privileges and opportunities that they're seeking, and they see that they can't have those unless they've earned them. Now, of course, we could talk about this forever in the real adult world. As adults, we don't get privileges we don't earn. We don't get opportunities that we don't earn. You don't move up in the company. You don't have any food on the table. <laughs> you don't, you know, if you don't respond in life appropriately, if you just treat your spouse like crap, they're going to leave. So the opportunity to have a great marriage, the opportunity to have a healthy physical body, these are all about taking responsibility. Now, of course, in the academy, this responsibility is also tied to needs which I also teach to my children. I don't necessarily teach it right when I'm talking specifically about the responsibility aspect. Um, I would teach it at another time and then layer it as children get older. When they're, when they're little, they don't necessarily get the whole needs thing, but by the time they're in their uh, late childhood years, early teen years, I'm, I'm layering this responsibility activity with personal needs. 
and I'm expecting children to take more and more responsibility for their personal needs in those four key areas that we cover in the academy, the physical, spiritual, social, emotional, and mental. So they're taking ownership of those. That's part of their responsibility as a human being on planet Earth, and they get privileges when they do that. So the concept is very, very simple. So what I do is I gather everybody into a family meeting. And I usually have some kind of like chalkboard or whiteboard. And I could maybe, you know, include a little diagram or something with this. But I think explaining it, you'll get it. So if you were to imagine a chalkboard or a whiteboard with a little chart, okay? And on that chart, you would just simply draw three categories, okay? Maybe it would look like this coming that way to you. <laughs> it would be age, responsibilities, I mean abilities, and privileges. So I don't put responsibilities, I put ability in there. So what we're doing as a family is we're defining responsibility, we're talking about what privileges are. So I get that all out of the way, I describe that, maybe I give a few examples of maybe characters from scripture or from books that we've read or people that they know that have a lot of responsibilities but they had a lot of privileges. So I, I make sure that they understand those words and even even younger children, three or four or five years old, can understand the concept of having an ability to do something and then having a privilege because you get to do that. And I explain it through this chart that we go through. So it, it starts out really simple and really easy for them to understand. If you don't have a baby at your house or you haven't had a baby at your house recently, then just think of a baby that everybody knows. Most of your kids will have familiarity with some baby in the world. And so you put zero or you put baby as the first age on the chart. And then you ask, okay, what can babies do? What are their abilities? What do they have the ability to do? And um, just see what the kids say. I mean, there's not much. They can cry. They can sleep. They can move. Maybe if they're a little bit older baby, they can smile or laugh, roll over. I mean, there's not very much they can do. So that's their set of abilities. It's very, very short and sweet. And so then you ask, what privileges do babies get? What special opportunities or advantages do they have in the world? Now, if you wanted to talk about unconditional love for a moment, you could say, well, of course they get love. Everyone deserves love just by being alive, so they get love. That's, the, everyone, that's a special privilege, a special right that everybody has is love. But what else do they get to do? And if your kids can't think of anything, then you can start prompting them with privileges that your older kids have. So you can say things like, well, do they get to go play at a friend's house? Do they get to watch any TV? Do they get to read books? Do they get to play outside by themselves? Do they get to um, put themselves in bed? No, 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 no. They don't, they don't have any privileges, really. So that's your foundational age. And it sets the stage for everything else that you're going to build because now you're going to show them visually how the progression takes place. That you start out like that baby and you get to be an adult. And by the time you're an adult, then you wanna be able to have a lot of abilities so that you can have a lot of privileges, right? 
So then you take another age, maybe a couple years older, and I kind of go by age increments. It's really impossible to try to do one, two, three, four, five, maybe one-year-olds, maybe they'd have a couple more privileges, but just kind of for the sake of brevity, uh, an, another age would be, let's say, a three-year-old. So a three-year-old has quite a few abilities as compared to a baby, right? They can talk, they can dress themselves, they can probably make their bed, they can play with toys, they probably can play outside, maybe without mom there. They might be able to play with their friends if mom is with them, and they might be able to um, have no naps, <laughs> you know? And that was so, so anyway, those would be the things they're able to do. So the, some of the privileges might be, like I was going to say, some of the privileges would be that they can play with their friends with mom there, that they don't have to take naps or that they get to stay up later. So those would be a few of the privileges that a three-year-old has. They have a different life than a newborn. You know, maybe they, um, maybe they go to a little preschool class or maybe they're in a little dance class. Those are privileges, right? Those are things that parents aren't necessarily morally required to give. They're required to give food and love and shelter. But those special privileges are in conjunction with their abilities. Now, this is what is so beautiful about this model, why it's helped me so much at my house. Because now I have the opportunity to say, if three-year-olds can dress themselves, and just as a side note, I don't have any handicapped children, but if you do, you would want to you would want to make it age appropriate. So it might not be their physical age, it might be their mental age. And so you would say, okay, so if three-year-olds can dress themselves, then they need to dress themselves. Their appropriate response, their responsibility is to do the things they can do. And when they do the things that they can do, they get the privileges of a three-year-old. Simple. So if you're three, the new expectation for you is that you dress yourself or that you're potty trained. And the privileges are attached to the responsibility. You choose to respond to your circumstances in an age-appropriate way, then you get privileges that other three-year-olds get. You get to play with your friends. And you get to stay up a little bit later and you don't have to take a nap. You know, maybe, um, maybe by the time they're four or five, then four and five-year-olds don't have to throw a tantrum to get what they want. They have words. They can use their words. So I hope this is starting to make sense to you. And I'll give you a bunch more examples. But it's a very, very simple concept. But it's been so powerful at my house. To, it just helped me on thousands of occasions to have in the back of everybody's minds that as we get older, we're capable of more. And it's our job, it's our responsibility to do the things that we're capable of for ourselves so that others don't have to do them for us, so that by the time we're adults, we can completely take care of ourselves. So if we're able to do it, it becomes our new responsibility. We are to react, we are to respond appropriately by taking care of that thing. You know, three-year-olds can make the bed, maybe a three-year-old can sweep the floor. And that then becomes their responsibility to which they are able and you are able to attach privileges. Maybe they get a little bit of screen time. Maybe they get a dessert that they want. Maybe, and they get to then exert more of their own personal wants on the way that their life takes shape. Because they are being responsible, they get to have more of a say in what their life looks like and what privileges 
they get to earn. Is that kind of making sense? So a six-year-old can learn to read, can help younger siblings, can have more jobs around the house. So that six-year-old could have time at a friend's house without mom there, maybe if it's, you know, of course, a trusted family friend. They could have fragile things that they took care of, like a plant or maybe a pet. Uh, they could be in a lesson that they wanted to be in outside the house. They could stay up later than younger kids. Whatever those special privileges are that they might want, they can have. Maybe they get to earn money in some way. Maybe they get to buy things that they want. Maybe they get to read books that they choose to read. Whatever those privileges are, they earn through being responsible, doing the things that they're, ab that they're able to do. So then you get to the 10 to 12 year olds. Now, of course, they can have more work, they can earn more money, they can babysit, and then privileges are accompanied with that. They can have more lessons, they can be gone for a whole day, they can sp spend money on things that they want. One of the things that happens at our house at 12 is that I need my children to have some kind of reason to earn and spend money and learn how to do that responsibly. And what I've discovered is that when I, kids at about 12 years old, they super care what they look like. And it has often happened, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I have, that I buy clothes for them and then they don't wear them. So at our house, when you turn 12, you're responsible for buying and caring for your own clothing. That's something that they have the ability to do. It only costs maybe two or $300 in a year. They don't have to earn very much a month. There are simple jobs that they can do for me. In addition, I don't pay them for regular housework, but I'll pay them for extra jobs or they could babysit or do things in the neighborhood. And they buy their own clothes and they do their own laundry. They are able to do that. And when they're responsible for their clothing, then they have other privileges. And it's great because, and we'll talk about this in a minute, there's lots of natural consequences <laughs> that automatically follow when they do or do not do that. And so, um, there are also emotional connections to this. So for example, a six-year-old is able to recognize that they've done something wrong or hurt someone, probably a younger child is, and they can say that they're sorry. That's something that they're able to do is recognize that they've done something and say they're sorry. An older child would be capable of being more patient or of meeting their own needs. And I'll give you some examples of that. And then we hop up to like the 16-year-old level. They can drive, they can date, they, um, they have all these other things that they're able to do. So they need to respond properly and show responsibility for those things that they're capable of doing at 16. And when they do, there's a whole slew of new privileges that can come like doing choir trips or sporting trips or going to camps, big competitions, um, going to friends' houses that, you know, where I wouldn't even know the family or things like that, taking on their own responsibilities, adult responsibilities with having their own exp regular expenses and, you know, helping with gas, helping with whatever the case might be. So what I try to do when I teach this chart to my family, 
And we do this every few years because it kind of lingers in the minds of the younger kids and then they get older and we do it again. I'll especially tackle the ages that they are. So they have a frame of reference for what their age is. And I'll try to um, really have a good spirit in the room, do it at a time when our relationships are really in a great place and everyone's feeling good toward each other. And I try to do it in a really upbeat, positive, motivating way. Like, you know, I've got this little, you know, let's say three-year-old or whatever, Johnny, you, you can dress yourself, right? You did it the other day. It was so awesome when you did that, you know, you got a sticker. I don't know what you do with it, <laughs> whatever. And that's so great. That means that it's your responsibility to do that now. And, and when you do that, you get big boy privileges. You get these special opportunities or these special advantages. Like you get to stay up later than the baby and watch a movie with mom tonight. Or you get to come on a special date with me. Or you get to go on this little field trip with your friends and the moms. And, you know, whatever those things might be, make sure that there are special privileges for each age that they really look forward to. And it becomes this, this great conversation because now you both have bartering and negotiating power, right? Like the kids want the privileges and you want the responsibilities handled. And because they're linked, not just, not just, um, not just because you say they're linked, but because there is a natural link because when you do things, there's always consequences and you've shown them that. Now, you get to both have a conversation about, okay, so what privileges would you like? And what are you actually capable of doing? We all know you're capable of doing it. Now, if they want to try to make a case that you're telling them they're capable of doing something, that they can be responsible for something, and they're convinced that they can't, then that's a conversation you need to have. Now, you need to be open-minded enough to say, now tell me why you can't be responsible for that well, I don't know how to do this, or, you know, it, it, it fell apart on me last time, or, you know, he won't listen to me when I babysit, or whatever the case might is. Negotiate that out so that every child, your end goal in this meeting is that each of the children have a clear outlined list of their responsibilities. Not when they're 12, it's not going to say, get yourself dressed and feed yourself. <laughs> it's going to definitely be age appropriate, right? Like it's not going to be ridiculous. But for whatever their age is, whatever they're being challenged, because with every new age, there come new abilities, but they're challenging. When you're first starting to walk, it's challenging. When you're first feeding yourself, it's challenging. When you're potty training, when you're driving, when you're dating, when you're reading, we all have to grow in our capacity, and especially children keep bumping up against new abilities they're supposed to have, new things they're supposed to be able to do. And you want to kind of, you know, grease the will and make that process a little bit easier if you can. And attaching a privilege to increase motivation can be very, very helpful. Of course, you want there to also be, and this is the last part of the conversation in this family meeting that you're going to have to kick this off, because you want everybody to have super clear expectations I would say that the vast majority of, of contention and arguments and struggle in our home have usually hovered around unmet, unclear expectations. I thought that my child was able to do something or they had really unhealthy expectations of me that I was going to do all these things for them when they still wanted the privileges. And this just kind of cleans house. It just gets everybody on the same page and everybody's clear about what it is they're supposed to be doing. 
And what privileges they're going to get when they do that. And so there's no, there's very little room for dispute or confusion. And it's just beautiful. It just, just cleans things up. But then you need to say, as the final kind of piece to this family meeting, what does mom do if you don't follow through? Okay, we need to have some kind of consequences on the other end. And I've done this a couple different ways. First of all, you all know this, but try to make the natural consequence, try to make the consequences as natural as possible. So one simple one at our house is if you get up grumpy, we've all agreed beforehand what time we're going to get up and why and how that helps the family and what our morning routine is going to be and all that stuff. And if you get up super duper grumpy and you can't get in a good mood and cooperate, get obedient in the morning, depending on your age, by the time they're six, seven, eight, that's definitely an expectation over eight for sure, then you go to bed earlier. And you go to bed earlier every night until you can wake up in a good mood because clearly you're not getting enough sleep, right? So that's just a, a really simple example. If you don't treat your family right, you have the ability emotionally at 10 to not slug your brother when you're upset. You just have that ability. And if you don't want to be responsible for treating people kindly, then you can't be with your friends because your family comes first. So when you're treating your family right, then you can go out and pursue friendships outside of the family. So those would be some natural consequences that I would kind of put into place. And I would try to make those clear as well. You're not going to anticipate every single thing that's ever going to happen, but you know your children and you know what their biggest struggles are and you know the things that you have to address at this meeting. Um, and it's probably those things that are driving you to have this meeting and to teach them responsibility. And so you have this big kind of hash out, everybody's clear. One thing that I do also, and, and this doesn't always apply, but sometimes we live in a very entitled society. And sometimes I get a few kids who are feeling pretty entitled. And they're thinking that they should get lots of stuff just because they're alive. And uh, that's unreasonable. And they kind of want mom and dad to just do all this stuff and provide all this stuff. And Covey teaches this idea. And we've done this one too. You could have a separate meeting or you could just have an uber long meeting. But we've done this one too. It's been very, very helpful. We'll write down every single thing that mom and dad do. Or we'll choose just mom or just dad and then do the other one. And we'll start, okay, what, tell me some things that mom does. And they'll list off some things. Then they'll think of some more. Then they'll think of some more. And then dad and I will start listing. And she does this and this and this and this. And we'll just go through over and over and over again, right? That's pretty humbling for the kids to recognize. And then you could say, so what do you guys do? Well, <laughs> and so that creates an environment where you could say, look, the family can only work if we're all working together. Um, we have got to help each other more to make the family function. And obviously mom doesn't have time to do all this stuff. So we've got to divide up some of her responsibilities. So again, if you have the ability, you're responsible for that. That's our expectation. You have the ability. So we're going to expect that from now on, you're going to take on that responsibility and then get these awesome privileges of the family running better, of your relationships going better, but also of you feeling great about yourself and make sure you point that out. The natural consequences, the natural blessing 
the blessings that come from doing those things you know you can do and should do, that's a natural consequence that God's put in place that no one can provide. And when it's clear that my children aren't feeling great about themselves, that's what I try to remind them over and over again is you get to decide how you feel about yourself by how responsible you are. And when you do those things you know you can do, you'll feel amazing. Now, if we need some one-on-one -on -one after this meeting is over to clarify a few things, maybe with older children, go ahead and do that. Make sure everyone feels like you're being fair. Don't end the meeting with people mad. If they're feeling upset or overwhelmed, just say, okay, let's just talk about it privately when the meeting's over. Make sure that this goes well. Make sure that it, it is empowering for you and empowering for your kids, that they see that there's now a way for them to earn that violin lesson they've been begging for or to earn more time at a friend's house or, you know, whatever it is that they're really wanting. And of course, when it comes to any of those privileges, again, that, privileges can, that privilege can become a new responsibility because if they want violin lessons, then they need to practice, right? So I'm gonna give you, I'll give you an example right now of what's going on with my 13-year-old. He just turned 13. And he has some real strengths and weaknesses, just like we all do. He has been taught and understands about his four basic needs. And I've really never had a child that struggled this much to meet their needs. I guess I did have another daughter who struggled to, to take care of, I guess we all struggle sometimes with our needs, but he wakes up so grumpy and he's, oh, and he knows it. And it's funny because when he's in a good place, he's like, why am I like that? Why am I in such a bad mood? Why am I making it so terrible for everybody? And um, we, he knows. He's seen the before and after of when he meets his needs and when he doesn't, okay? So he's got to read scripture, say his prayers, and eat first thing in the morning, or he's just not going to get over it. He's just not going to feel better. And so he recognizes that he's got to meet his needs. And there's privileges that he wants. He wants to have a party with his friends here every month. He wants to be in tap, violin, theater, and a singing group. <laughs> and now, some of those are just like a one-hour class a week. And it's not necessarily that they're very expensive, really. It's a little bit of work, I guess, to get him there. A couple things he can bike to. But the, really, the issue is the privilege. Are you mature enough? Are you responsible enough that I should award you all of those privileges? That's really the question. That's the conversation, and he gets it. And when he's a bear in the morning, I can say in a kind way, do you want three-year-old privileges? Because this is how a three-year-old behaves, or a two-year-old. They slam their bodies on the floor, and they throw a tantrum, and they're just grumpy and want their own way and won't use mature means to manage themselves, right? Like, I'm now going to talk out what's wrong and work things through with you <laughs> and go meet my needs. But he's capable of it. He's done it. So those carrots are just dangling, which is fantastic because he knows what he wants and it creates motivation to be responsible. He knows how he feels when he's responsible and he wants to feel that way about himself. And so the internal natural consequences that God's put in place 
and the external dangling of the carrot and those privileges that he wants. And then the natural consequences that we put in place when he isn't obedient and when he's just a bear of going to bed earlier and not signing him up for things and treating him like a younger child. And that's, that's really the issue. That's the thing I'm trying to teach them is I will then have to treat you like a younger child. If you want to act like a younger child, that's fine. If you only have the ability to do these things, that's fine. But remember the privileges that are attached to that age group. And they've seen it visually on a whiteboard. They get it. They understand. There's certain privileges that younger children only have act. They don't go to their friend's house to play or have a sleepover or whatever it is they're wanting to do. Um, you know, I've got, a, I've got a daughter starting college and we wanted her to prove that she could be responsible. So we helped in the sign-up process, but of course, one of the primary goals is for her to be an adult by next year and to be able to live home. So we've got to let her do virtually everything, call the school counselor and fill out the paperwork and find out how to do the payment process and we'll answer questions and be available. But we're with her on the cusp of adulthood and she needs to be able to navigate the world. She keeps going back to the bank and trying to figure out why online banking isn't working. And she has a ton of privileges. I mean, as long as she continues to be tr trustworthy and honest with us, she pretty much goes where she wants to go, when she wants to go there, as long as we know that she's safe, she checks in, she puts gas in the car, you know, those kind of things. And in order to show her responsibility for college, we paid tuition and she paid for books. So there's a lot of ways that you can navigate the details, but the principle, the very simple principle, that responsibility is connected to privileges, which are advantages and opportunities in life. It's a fundamental foundational principle. That's all we're doing here. We're trying to ingrain that principle in our children's minds so it's crystal clear that all their lives, if they'll be responsible, they will advance, they will move forward, they will be given privileges and opportunities that other people are not. Now, um, I'm gonna answer, um, some questions in just a few minutes, but before I do that, I want to give a few warnings. Okay. First of all, follow through on your commitments. If you promise that certain privileges are attached, make sure that you sign them up for whatever it is, or you take them to whatever the thing is. You cannot vacillate on that. You have got to follow through on your commitments. Another warning, do not get into drama with yourself or with them. Of course, in the academy, we learn all about this. <laughs> we learn all about what the drama cycle is and what it means for us to be in drama. We wanna be coaches for our kids, right? We want to teach them how to play the game and let them win at it. Let them fight, let them fail sometimes, let them fall down because that's the only way they're gonna get great at the game of life. So we wanna be coaches that believe in them, that are optimistic, that cheer them on, that encourage, that teach, that train thoroughly, that teach principles, and let them govern themselves within the parameters of, of, of the circumstances that you've created in your home. Another warning is about hypocrisy. Uh, this is Neil Flinders. I've quoted this probably multiple times in the past. Um, but this kind of goes along with an understanding of the 
phases of development, emotional and spiritual development. And that is that, I mentioned this before, I'll mention it again. Remember through this process that until age eight, for children, the authority is the parents. For eight to 12, the authority is the rules. And 12 and older, the authority is the principles. And your teenagers, he says, um, as teenagers strain relationships with adults to test the limits of their freedom, they rebel against they, what they interpret as injustice or hypocrisy. They need principles with which to govern their lives, and they need to know that you know principles, and that you live principles, and that you're not a hypocrite. Unfortunately, sometimes we fall into a little bit of a hypocritical role, and we have to be self-governing, and we have to be self-evaluating. Are we in drama? Are we not keeping our commitments to ourselves and with our kids? And are we kind of being hypocrites? Are we asking them to be self-governing in ways that we're not? Do we fly off the handle all the time, but then we want them to control their temper? But it's justified for us because we're adults. <laughs> lives are hard, lives are harder, whatever. They have stress too. They have fears, they have worries, they're growing up, things are hard for them. So we have to remember not to be hypocrites, not to expect a bunch of stuff from them that um, we're not willing to do ourselves. So we got to get busy meeting our needs. We've got to get busy being responsible, being coaches, being creators, and setting a good example. We don't have to be perfect because guess what? If you mess up, you get to apologize, which is very powerful for an adult to apologize to their family or to their children, to own up to, I'm not living up to the standard that we have in our home, so I'm going to do better. That's all you've got to do to correct that kind of thing. Don't do it all the time. But the point here is, remember that until they're eight, mom's the authority, until they're 12, rules are the authority, and after 12, they need to be taught principles and governed by principles. So when you tell them you have this ability and the privileges are attached, explain to them you're teaching them an eternal principle that applies forever and that they've got to learn it now and learn it well because the success in life will depend upon it. The level at which people are truly responsible, truly take on appropriate responses for things they're capable of doing is the greatest gauge of life satisfaction and, and personal development and growth and success. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast on how I teach my children responsibility. If you don't have your free copy of the audiobook of The Mission Driven Life, please go to themissiondrivenmom.com and claim your copy so that you can get on the mission path with us. And if you'd like to hear the Q&A around this topic that we are having in the Mission Driven Mom Mastermind, please go to the Mission Driven Mom Mastermind Facebook group and request to join and you'll see the video there with the Q&A at the end. And you can also post any questions that you have around this topic and we can discuss it all throughout the next week. We'll see you there.